Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday morning. You just got out of bed. You're ready to start the day and move on towards passive income and the freedom that that brings. Today, folks, we're going to change things up a little bit. This is, you could call this a back to bed basics episode, but it's not. That today is going to be some of the most critical information delivered to you ever done on this podcast. It's going to be a two part series. I'm bringing in my management team up in Memphis. Uh, for JD Marks Real Estate, I've got with me on the phone. I've got, uh, Danny Quinn. He is my, my man on the street. He is boots on the ground. He's the guy that makes it happen up in Memphis for us. He is the one that keeps things the way they should be. Helps me up there is, I, I frankly, without Danny, I don't, I'm not even convinced I would be in business up in, in Tennessee. So Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Danny, I brought you on today because we, when I was up in Memphis a couple weeks ago and, indulging in the, the, the cheeseburgers and 100-year-old grease over there on Beale Street and all that. You and I went out to lunch at one point with uh, Marshall and the other and Jill, and we were discussing a program, a pilot program that we're starting up here in Tennessee that you've taken the lead on. And I want to, the folks that are listening to this episode, I want to start this, preface this by saying our mission here and what we do in Memphis and why we've what, how, how we've accomplished what we've accomplished in Memphis comes from our mindset and how we take care of our clients up in Tennessee. Now, clients, some of you are thinking, well, what are you selling houses up there? And well, no, we sell multifamily up there through JD Marks Real Estate, and whatnot. However, we look at our tenants as if they are our clients. They are our clients. That's, that's our mindset. These are not lower or subhuman people. They are not beneath us. They are on the same level of us. They are humans, they are good people, and we provide clean, safe, affordable housing to good people. Now, what we found, and, and Danny, of course, finds this more than I do, because he's usually the one solving the problems and then telling me what he did after the fact, which is beautiful, because <laughs> it's less work for me. Danny, you discovered, and this came up on one of our buildings recently, where we had a whole bunch of uh, calls from the police uh, to one to one of our buildings, and and paraphrase that just to kind of give you the summary we had a, a problem tenant in a building the problem was the the folks that live there didn't want to rat out or, or tattletale on the bad tenant instead they all moved out well not all of them but most of them moved out on us and what we found out is that even though our management team is on top of things uh, in in memphis and far frankly one of the best management companies in memphis we can't figure out a problem if nobody brings it to our attention. In other words, if they don't tell us there's a problem, if nobody calls, if police don't communicate with us and the tenants don't communicate with us, 
unless we trip over it, it's going to be very difficult to discover a problem, and that's exactly what happened. So, Danny, I'm going to let you take it from there and kind of tell the story how this came about. Okay. Um, thank you, Tyler. Uh, I did trip over it, actually, but here's um, – let me just set the stage uh, here. This is a small 10-unit apartment building in South Memphis uh, in a very rough part of Memphis, um, extremely high crime. And the tenants there, uh, a lot of our tenants feel like they're kind of um, stuck living in, a, in, in this area because of their uh, socio, their economics. Uh, so we try to protect them and keep them as safe as we possibly can. Uh, we rented one of your apartments um, to a tenant uh, that was very um, uh, good lady. Um, she passed all our criminal background checks and civil checks. She moved into this apartment in this 10-unit building, and she, uh, after that, uh, apparently moved in um, one of her sons and then possibly another relative. There were several people that moved in afterwards um, against our lease. We didn't know it. And uh, so these people were living there causing, they began causing problems um, right away. Um this disruptive behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Our tenants, um, let me just, you, you mentioned this, but let me tell you what happens in these properties, and it's unfortunate, but um, I'm very proactive, and if our tenants call me and say, uh, Danny, uh, the tenant in number 10 um, is causing problems, they know that I'm generally going to get in my truck and drive down and start asking questions. Right. Well, then uh, the finger could be pointed to them. Uh, they're the ones that ratted to Danny, and Danny's causing problems, and he's going to kick somebody out. So I try to be very delicate there uh, and, and try to do most of my conversations by phone. Some of these people don't have phones, and the communication problem is, you know, is heightened, or their phone numbers change literally monthly. So it, it's an obstacle I have to overcome, but um, generally, uh, if it gets, you know, I get too many calls, I have to go to the property, and I'm afraid that that could put some, one of our good tenants at risk of um, retaliation. Right. So it's a, that is in and of itself a problem. Then I have other tenants who just say it's, um, it's against uh, my nature to rat out on somebody unless I'm directly affected, and it really makes, you know, I'm, I'm in, in, in harm's way. So. There are two versions of that, uh, why people don't call us. Um, in your case, what I what I did, uh, we were having some iron work done, and I actually just accidentally drove up onto the property um, with the iron uh, worker to check the iron handrails, and cops are everywhere, and tenants are out in the street, uh, your tenants. They're out in the street. Everybody's hollering at each other. So... I talked to the police officer on on the scene, and um, she said, we've been at this property 14 times in the last three months. Uh, I think it was approximately three months. And um, she said, um, you, you've got a tenant over here. We've had a, uh, we've had a shooting. We've had a knifing, several break-ins, and we attribute most of it to the tenant in apartment number such and such. And... The tenants, uh, my tenants, your tenants, were all in an uproar and saying, you know, uh, why don't you do something? We've called the police. We've called the police. Well, the police, God bless them. I love the police. But the police 
and only come there and arrest somebody if they catch somebody in the act. And we know that uh, from our standpoint, we have a lower threshold um, We, uh, as a landlord. We have a lower threshold um, that we have to uh, go by than the police officers. Right. So if there's a disturbance or if there's a tenant causing a disturbance, we can take action, but we have to know that the disturbance is happening. The police, and I've worked with the police in Memphis, Tennessee, and organized crime and all of them uh, for 30 years. They cannot and will not call me and tell me, Danny, you've got a, a problem over on apartment number such and such on, on uh, this street because they're afraid that I'm going to get in my truck and go over there and get killed. Right. And if, if, if I do get killed because of a call they gave me, it's their fault. So they will not tell you that you got a problem. Now, this plan, uh, if I can, can I start and just kind of tell you what the plan is? Absolutely. Okay. In Memphis, Tennessee, and we are, uh, right now, we, we, uh, we became the third most dangerous city, uh, in the, uh, country. At one time, we, uh, were number one in murders in the country per capita. So, uh, and your property, uh, is in the middle of, uh, the highest crime rate in the city of Memphis. So I'll just tell you that's, that gives you a, a background of what we're dealing with. Um, we're able to keep our tenants safe in one, one way is because we are proactive, but this plan is going to change the dynamics of the whole city of Memphis. And, um, uh, I've, I've actually been in an hour long meeting with the police director of the city of Memphis and he is, um, he's very interested in the, uh, in, in the program. So here it is. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of calls for service that come in through the 911 phone system, the 201 Poplar, every year. 911 calls um, are routed through 201 Poplar Avenue, and uh, they're dispatched to the police officers or the paramedics or the fire department. Right. Well, all these are recorded. The 911 calls are recorded. And let's say that uh, the 14 calls came to your apartment complex um, that were all recorded um, and what they were pertaining to. They, these were tenants of ours and yours that made the 911 call. They were disturbance calls mainly. Shots fired. Uh, there's a knifing in the front of the building. And um, so our tenants are crying out for help to the police to come and solve their problem. Well, the police cannot tell me or you that there is a problem. Right. We've already established that. So what this system does is when the 911 call goes in, it's written down, it's recorded. Approximately the next day, um, the owner and the management company is going to get an email of the exact call for service. Uh, I've got one in front of me on my iPad um, of a domestic servant um, at a certain location. It gives the street address. The apartment number uh, that the service pertaining to, and uh, you you receive this by email the next day. So that allows me to to see. Okay, there was a stabbing at Tyler's property last night, and uh, I know in real time. I can pick up the phone, call people down there, say, "Do you know what happened?" Yes, it was apartment number such and such. They're the problem. Right. 
it, it gives me clear information. Now, the police haven't told me. They haven't told me anything. Uh, I just get an email as to what happened. Now, keep in mind, this call for service is public information. If I file the public information uh, request, I could get it. It would take me months to get it, but I could eventually get it. Right. We're requesting that we get it in real time when we can actually intervene on behalf of our tenants and possibly solve the problem. Um, the tenants that I deal with are all low income, uh, and I consider some of them kind of stuck in a situation. I love them. Uh, they're great people, but they're very frustrated because they have a difficult time solving a problem um, of crime in their neighborhoods. And, and the, the criminals in the neighborhood are generally a very small portion. In this case, in apartments, all occupied, one person was causing the problem. So that gives you a, you know, that's a 10% ratio right there. The other, the other nine tenants were very good law-abiding citizens. This one tenant was causing them, they weren't causing me problems or you. You're in, you're in Tallahassee or wherever. I'm out in the suburbs of Memphis, um, um, safe in, in bed. Right. They have to live in the middle of it. I'm trying to protect them from people that, that we move in. They have no choice. Uh, they're living in this apartment building. We move in a tenant and they got to live with. Them. And, um, this offers us a way to intervene. The police don't have to contact us directly. We're getting information that is public information. The 911 calls are public information. We're just, we're just intercepting that information and we're able to go down on behalf of the, the nine good tenants and intervene. They don't have to squeal. They don't have to, um, they don't have to get involved at all. I'm eavesdropping on the 911 system. Basically. And when I described it to the police director uh, in Memphis, who was very proactive and a, a very good man and extremely interested in reducing crime in Memphis, um, he seemed very interested in it. He had a group of uh, other officers in the meeting, and um, we, uh, we had a 30-minute meeting, and uh, he extended it to approximately an hour. Um, wow. And that was, um, that was great. So he is interested. He has signed off on this. Um, he's allowed us to uh, do a, uh, a plan, um, this kind of a small test case of about 400 units that we manage. Um, and some of those units are yours, Tyler. And um, so we, we picked some high-crime areas. Uh, we're going to do this. It's sitting on Mayor Strickland's desk right now. Uh, waiting to be signed. Uh, so this getting ready to happen. And once it does happen, if it's successful and they feel like it's a good uh, policy, then it's going to be uh, broadened to the, to the wider market. And we have over 100,000 apartment units in Memphis and many, many thousands of rental houses. Um, so if this ever gets to where every property owner and manager has access to this, you're going to see a lot of owners getting involved in situations that uh, could possibly help their tenants um, a lot more. Um, 
the police do a great job. I've got a son that's a police officer, and uh, he has told me time and time again, uh, Dad, we can only do so much. We come down and we know that somebody has committed a crime, but if we don't have proof and we don't have evidence right there or an eyewitness, nothing we can do. That's right. Uh, we have to we have to drive away. So the other tenants in the building feel like you know the cops aren't doing a darn thing to help me. Well, if if we get that email that the cops were there, then we can intervene and we can we can ask some questions that the cops can't ask. Their their hands are they can only go so far and right. do their job. By the time the cops get there over and over again. You've usually got a problem that uh, that escalates into in Memphis either a um, um, a shooting or a, or a murder uh, or a rape or something something pretty drastic. And um, what we're trying to do is get there right on the front end of these problems before they escalate to being a major issue. Because in your in your property, uh, Tyler, in this one apartment that was causing so much trouble, the the person in number one actually moved out because he was afraid that he was going to shoot somebody. Um, and this this man was a good man, but um, Mario moved out because he was getting so bothered by the servants down at the other end of your building that um, he said he skipped he skipped on you he just left uh left his furniture in there and everything and got out because he said you know this guy was um you know he had a checkered past and right. um he had the full ability to kill somebody there's no question in my mind and he just you know if i don't get out of here i'm gonna kill somebody right. so he left well so then, that know, shouldn't I, happen no it shouldn't and people deserve you know I, i'm a believer that people deserve a second chance you get a guy like that that's had a rough time he's trying to get it back on his feet he unknowingly moves into a situation beyond his control something that he didn't ask for he didn't plan on it happening it just happens and i and i get a situation i'm frankly kudos to him i should probably shouldn't say this on a national thing but kudos to him for taking the responsibility to avoid the issue not create a, a bigger problem not become part of a bigger problem to vacate. I mean, yeah, granted, we lost the tenant, we lost the, the revenue there and, and all that. I'd rather have that than somebody dead in the parking lot. And I know a yeah. lot of people listening to this show are like, holy crap, why would you invest in a town like that? Why, you know, and understand folks that this type of crime goes on in every community across the country. This is a nationwide epidemic. It's not exclusive to Memphis, Tennessee. We have the same thing. And I'm down here in the Tampa market. And we have the same thing in Tampa. We've got in Tampa, we've got we even have sections of, of Little Tarpon Springs, uh, where I live, which is a sleepy little fishing village right on the ocean. And we've got uh, uh, some unsavory folks that live in a very tight, small part of town. Nobody goes there because people are afraid of getting shot or stabbed or whatever. And you know, I don't believe that people should feel should be terrified to go home. Home is where you should feel safe. So hats off that's to you for exactly, making this happen. Exactly, exactly right. Well, one one day um, several years ago, I was sitting in the um, uh, attorney general's office up um, in this area, and um, we were discussing a, a program, a drug dealer eviction program. And I told he lives in a very exclusive um, midtown neighborhood in Memphis um, that are old houses, uh, and it's um, you know very very expensive house. 
Right. And so this uh, this fellow is uh, in charge of, um, you know, he's the attorney general of Milton. So I'm talking to him, and I told him, I said, you know, I could buy that eight-unit building down on Harvard, right down the street from your house. Uh, it's a little eight-unit, old apartment complex. Uh, and I said, you know, I could ruin your entire neighborhood legally <laughs> by moving in um, some people that we're kicking out of another area of town and just tell them, you know, we'll move you over to Harvard if you want to live over there, but you can't live in this neighborhood. And he looked at me. And this, this guy was, you know, he's, he's sharp, um, and a lawyer, and he said, you know, you're exactly right. Um, they, the, but here's the thing. If, if this program goes into effect, what we're hoping is, is that neighborhoods that have an apartment complex within their boundaries, let's say, and the cops are there all the time, you just kind of, you know that they're there, but you don't know why they're there, and you don't know the exact count. If it ever got out to the public that police were at such and such an apartment complex, um, let's say 90 times in a three-month period, right? Um, then you would have exact numbers, and you could actually look at, you know, why they were there. If they are, you know, petty things, or if they're, if they are shootings, uh, you know, um, rape, um, domestic violence, etc., and it, it may give the neighbors um, an option to say, look, you know, this property uh, is a nuisance. Can the owner do something to clean it up? Um, I've got a lot of owners, Tyler, that frankly, um, they're they're a little bit scared of me and some of these ideas that, that I come up with because some of the owners in the in the city of Memphis. If this gets out, they're going to have to tighten up because well, yeah. the um, the the light is going to get uh, shined on their properties. And a lot of people here, and I, I'm not disparaging anyone, but but a lot of us we we own and manage properties in parts of town, and then we go about 20 miles to the suburbs to where we live, and we don't have to worry about what happens in those parts of town. Well, you know, I, the reason I like you so much and the reason that, that our company thrives in those areas is because we actually care what happens in those parts of town. Yes, sir. Um, I drive around them all day long, talk to my tenants, find out what their problems are, and most of the problems in Memphis, Tennessee originate um, or go back to crime. Uh, if, if there was less crime, their lives would be easier. And I spend most of my time trying to keep my tenants safe in uh in rough areas. And we, we do we've been in business since forty five and uh we do a very good job at it. Nineteen forty five. Ladies and gentlemen, nineteen forty five is when, when J D Marks got into business. That's just every time I think about that it blows my mind. Danny, where so program kicks in, uh we get the email notification, we go over and address the issue. Short term, and guys, from a from an investor mindset, I know a lot of investors live in scarcity mentality, which is unfortunate. But I don't. Those of you that know me from the show know that that's not how I live. I live in abundance. My, you know, some people their first reaction, and frankly, for a minute, for a split second, my first reaction was, well, now I'm going to have initially when this kicks off greater vacancy because we're going to be kicking out problem tenants. But then I, after about ten seconds, I thought to myself. Yes, Tyler, but we're going to be kicking out problem tenants, and that's the operative phrase. The problems are going to relocate somewhere else. 
Now, the beauty, folks, of dealing with having a property management company, and, and we bounce back and forth, and I want to digress too much, but J.D. Marks manages a ton of properties in Memphis. So these bad people are in their system. So it's kind of like we have control over who winds up at our properties because these people have already been earmarked in the system. Now, we've put right. them out. We're not going to – J.D. Marks is not going to take ten, kick a tenant out of one building and put them in another. It doesn't make sense because – that doesn't make the problem go away for J.D. Marks. An individual investor, a private person trying to manage their own property, guys, you're not going to be able to pull this off. You're not going to, you know, it's just not going to happen. And what happens is another landlord winds up with inheriting this problem. Well, that's not Tyler's problem. That's certainly not Danny's problem. But this is a testament no, for not. having professional management. And if, if that, uh, if that, if that uh, professional management company uh, is on this same program, then they're going to be doing the same thing that we're doing. Uh, they get to you. And the, the one thing that, uh, that I need to mention for your audience is this. The program, uh, is able to send out four simultaneous emails and, um, of a call for service. So the way that we're going to set it up is this, because we have, we have investors in Los Angeles, San Diego, Baltimore. We've had them as far as, um, you know, overseas. But the email notification of a call for service at a property is not only going to go to the management company, but it's going to go to Tyler in Tallahassee. So here's the thing. <laughs> or, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I got my T's mixed up. All right. <laughs> um, it's going it's to go to Tyler. And uh, so the, the beauty of that is this. If, if uh, my owner in San Diego owns the property, uh, let's say I've got a guy that owns 45 houses in a bad area of town. And this is a fact. If I get the email notifications that there's problems there, but he doesn't, then he's still going to be in the dark and he's the owner. We're going to set this up where the management company gets the notification, but the owner does too. Now, the owner is going to get it, and he's going to depend on me to, to you know, Look into the problem. Yes, but if let's say his um, his rent roll goes down in the next few months, and he he sees an increase in calls for service, and his money is getting lower and lower, he's gonna pick up the phone and say, "Hey, what are you doing about all this crime that's happening in my property?" Well, right now, everybody I manage for in Memphis um, lives somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, um, you you you. You know, so right now, um, I could have a whole lot from Tyler or from Scott or from Jeff or the guys that I manage for because they're all in other, other cities. I could hide what's going on in your neighborhood. With this notification, you're going to realize that there was a stabbing on your property um, the next day. And you might, you know, if you might say, well, Danny can take care of this, or you might pick up the phone and say, you know, um, what's going on up there? Is there going to be, um, you know, a problem uh, with this, or how are you handling it? So that's the beauty of it with, uh, with the, with the, um, you know, the systems that we've got in place now, uh, owners, uh, across the world could be notified of an incident that's going on on their property, um, and, um, you know, it, if they get enough of these notifications, the owner may say, look, I, I think I may need to take a trip to Memphis and let's walk the property and see if there's something, you know, that we can do to uh, mitigate some of these problems. Maybe increase lighting, fencing, you know, change our management uh, techniques, screening, whatever. 
you know, I like the fact that number one, this whole system provides transparency. So everybody's on the same page. It, it elim- eliminates the ability for you to ignore a problem because now nobody can say they didn't know. You know, from, right. an, from an insurance perspective, I'm looking at a liability. I'm looking at, uh, if I'm, if I, I can very easily sit back and go, well, Danny must not be doing his job because my rents went down. Well, no, if I've got, if I can see a picture of what's going on and then Danny calls me and says, Hey, we're going to, we're going to kick out number 10, number six and number four on this property. And we're going to kick out these people on this property. <laughs> I now know what to expect. And when I'm, it's when I'm blindsided by things is where we have a problem. But as a, as a property owner, when I know what's going on in a certain situation, and, and fortunately that's one of the reasons that JD Marks has been such a big benefit for my company is I know what's going on at all times at my properties. And it's not like, we're on the phone every day, but as things come up, we communicate well. We're everybody's transparent. Right. You guys have nothing to hide. We we intentionally buy problem properties. That's what we do. We buy them ugly when nobody else wants them, and we make them a better place to live. Because, like you said in the beginning of this episode, there are tons of good people, and I mean tons of good people in the city of Memphis and everywhere else in the country that happen to be low income folks. They can't afford much, but. That doesn't mean they should have to live in, in terror their, their life. That's right. They shouldn't live in fear. They, they shouldn't be a victim. You're, you're exactly right. And we, we have gone into neighborhood after neighborhood in Memphis, Tennessee, where uh, every window is barred. Every door has got uh, cages on it. And if there was ever a fire in the in the unit, uh, the people couldn't get out. Right. But they, they, they're going to take their chances um, with the fire as to, to the bad guy. And I've enjoyed going into these neighborhoods and actually very quietly, very systematically moving bad people out and making sure that the, that our tenants can lay their head on their pillow at night and sleep. Now, let me tell you one other thing, Tyler. Um, personal friend of mine um, owns a management company up here in Memphis, and he has over 3,000 houses. Oof. All of them are owned by out-of-town owners. Uh, they're, they're in groups of like 100, 300. But he has over 3,000 now that he managed. And they are in every part of them, good and bad. And he has no idea what goes on at these houses. He has no idea how many times the police come to these houses. But here's, here's the thing that I think this will help out um, cities like Memphis, uh, Detroit, different places like that. If you've got a rental house in the middle of uh, an otherwise fairly decent neighborhood, let's say it's a lower lower middle class neighborhood, everybody's working, and, and um, this uh, this guy manages a rental house in that area, not an apartment complex, but a house. Let's say he he rents and he doesn't really screen his tenants all that well, but um, and they move in and they start disrupting the neighborhood. That one house can disrupt an entire area. Or entire oh, yeah. neighborhood, and the people that have bought their house, that have paid on their mortgage for years and years, and then have kept their yards up and all of that in this neighborhood, you have the ability to buy a rental house and stick it in the middle of that neighborhood and kind of ruin things. And then the property values begin to decline around this house, and then it gets into a you know people start selling their houses and they become rentals, and it's a spiral. I can take you to neighborhoods in Memphis where it started with one house, and the, and the whole decline of the neighborhood happened after that. Well, if if the calls for service notification came, 
then my friend who manages these 3,000 houses would no longer have an excuse. If the cops are at his house in the middle of this nice neighborhood every night or every other night, then at this point, he can no longer say, I didn't know what was going on down there. He knows. And the attorney general of the uh, city of Memphis knows that he knows. And the police department knows that he knows. So somebody's going to expect um, him to do something about it. Can you go down there and at least talk to him and find out uh, why they are, you know, why the cops are there all the time? Just ask the question. We're not go- we're not infringing on anybody's rights or anything like that. This is opening up a dialogue and a conversation between landlords and um, their tenants. And it it um, I can't see. I have not been able to see a downside to it. Um, I, I just cannot see a downside to it. I um, I spoke with a. I was at a family safety conference. Um, day before yesterday and um there's a um there's a, a black lady that uh that i know that um that works at a management company and i ran this program past her right. and just said what do you think and here's the only thing that um that i've heard i said do you, do you, can you see a downside to it and she said uh the only thing that i can see is it may discourage people from calling the police if they know that there's going to be something else that happens in addition to the police coming, right? then you you may see people not call the police. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I, I think that, that my low-income tenant, um, if if somebody just got stabbed and this happened in, in, your, in front of your building uh, down in South Memphis, if somebody just got stabbed, I don't think that a person is going to say, well, you know, the management company may come down here, so I don't think I'm going to call the police. And let's just let it, uh, let's just let it ride. It's not going to happen. I well, just don't think it's going to happen. I don't either, because here's what's going you know, any logical person, let's even say we threw logic out the window, and I hate to be crass, but at some point, the, the situation is going to escalate till someone has to call 911 for an ambulance, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to trigger the police anyway. So the next question I would ask that person is, so if someone's, if, if your neighbor is laying bleeding in the driveway because they were just stabbed or shot, are you not going to call for an ambulance? You're going to let them bleed out in the parking lot? Or, and, and if, and if the answer is yes, I'm going to allow that to happen. Well, then at the next point, are you going to leave, let them just lay there? At some point, you're going to have to call for help. You're going to have to not, you have to set aside the fear and you're going to have to protect yourself, go into protection mode. And that protection is calling 911. You know, get somebody out there, ambulance, whatever. We're going to trigger the right. same thing. The ambulance is going to have to report a knife or a shooting. You know, that's part of the medical thing. So the report is still going to be generated. We're still looking at a call for service. So I just don't think that's realistic. And, and if that becomes reality, well, I would hate to say it, but those folks, they're creating their own situation. And, <laughs> you know, well, we, we can't protect them from everything, especially themselves. That's right. The other, the, the one other issue that came up, just, just so, um, if you get some calls on this and they say, well, this could happen, we've already thought of this also. I spoke with a high-ranking, um, person in the Attorney General's office here in Memphis about this, um, recently. And they said, um, 
there could be a situation in a small building where a group of people maybe have a vendetta against somebody and they feel like, well, we're going to call the police on them a number of times and that will trigger the management company to come down here and kick them out. Well, we've been, you know, since 1945, we've seen everything. We have uh, people that are just picking on people and they just, you know, they got to be, you know, their kids don't like each other, so they, you know, they, they fight or shoot each other or something. We've seen it all, but I told this person uh, at the Attorney General's office that I, if if the police show up at one apartment several times, I'm going to do some investigative work. I don't I don't want to kick that person out uh, because you're going to wind up losing money. We got to get the apartment ready again. It costs us, you know, maybe a thousand dollars to turn that apartment back around, right. and that comes out of Tyler's pocket. So I'm not just willy-nilly going down kicking people out because it's expensive, and the and the um, the free market and the um, the economics of it are um, you know you just don't kick people out for no reason. So I'm going to investigate. I'm going to go down. I'm going to get a a verbal from at least three people, and I'm going to get the same story out of three people, and then I'm going to actually talk to the the tenant causing the problem. And nine times out of ten, the problem is this. They've moved in a relative or, or a son that just got out of jail or something that uh, is, is causing a problem, and that's a lease violation. Uh, I will tell them, look, if, if you want your son to live in your apartment with you, he's going to need to come down to J.D. Mark's office, fill out an application, we're going to get all his records and all, you know, we're going to do a background check on him and we're going to check him out and, uh, you know, we'll gladly add him to your lease. But right now you're in a lease violation. You can't just move somebody in uh, that has not been vetted. So there, there are ways of handling it and there are ways of getting to the, to the truth of the matter. So nobody's going to be able to just... Um, you know, call the police a lot and hope that Danny will come down there and kick them out. It's right. not going to happen. Well, and this comes down to as well as, as, and folks, this is why I preach on the, on the show, find good, competent management. See, this, this program only works if you've got solid, a solid management team in place that's going to be proactive in solving the problems. And Danny, to your point, not be just willy nilly throw somebody out because the police showed up. That's not in itself. Now, in every instance, a good enough reason, and we're going to run short on time, but I, I, we can go on for hours on this very topic, but you got to look at everything as a case by case. And when it looks, when it comes down to hiring property management, we're going to have, uh, Marshall Gordon, who is the, one of the owners of JD Marks on the show here coming soon. We're going to talk. That's one of the things that we're going to talk about is, is things that you should be looking for when you're finding, looking for good management and, those of you that have listened to this show are, are now know exactly what it takes, the type of management you should be looking for. Danny, I, without you and your team up there in Memphis, I don't even think I would be in business. I would, I know I wouldn't be in, in business in Memphis. I've, I owned property in Memphis without you and it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> I can say <laughs> I lost a lot of money there for a while, but, uh, we're back on track. And, uh, with thanks to you and your team, you guys have really done a great job. And, and this is just a, a, a huge effort that you're doing, but it's, it's a very small portion of the service that you have given, 
uh, Jill and I and our investors, and we really appreciate everything that you've done for us. And I know we say that, but we, we say it before, but we can't say it too much. So thank you. Definitely thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for the kind words, and uh, we we appreciate uh, appreciate your business. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap us for this for today. If you want to find out more about investing in Memphis, then reach out to me. You can send me an email directly at info at cashflowguys.com. We'll get on the phone. We'll have a conversation, see if we can develop a strategy for you. I've made some arrangements with J.D. Marks they, as they are a property management company, but they are also a realty service. They're a brokerage. They do sell single-family, multifamily, both duplexes and a larger apartment buildings as well. They've got some of their own inventory, and they've got inventory around the city of Memphis, a lot of it that they manage themselves. So there is a known track record. And, folks, reach out. Let's get on a, let's have a conversation. I will get on the get uh, Jill on the phone, who is the Jill, no, no relation to my wife, Jill, but we'll get on the phone with Jill and, and try to develop a plan to get you guys rolling and get things moving in the right direction. And, as of course, we are always looking for investors to join us in opportunities up in Tennessee because you can see, here's a perfect example, we've got a great team in Memphis, so that's why we're we're not afraid of Memphis. We we put the people in place that know what they're doing up there. That gives us a warm fuzzy, keeps the investors happy, and everybody's good to go. So, Danny, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it, and uh, have a great week. All right, Tyler. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap this week's episode. As a reminder, if you have not joined our Facebook group, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. We are working on our mastermind course that is going to be released later this fall, right around the, probably the closer to the winter. If you're interested in that, go get my free email course. That's a good starter to give you an idea of what you're going to learn, how to analyze deals. You can get that email course. That's a video course in four categories, in four sections, four videos. It's going to teach you everything you know on how to analyze a multifamily or single-family real estate deal for investment. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. Cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. And we appreciate you coming out this week and taking the time to listen to us. And I hope you have a great week, and we will catch you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.